See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic and Mike Graham right here on Talk TV with you all the way through until one o'clock, of course, when it'll be time for Ian Collins. We've had a rip, a snorter uh, of a radar result, we have to say. We're rather pleased about it, uh, not least because an awful lot of people seem to have deserted the BBC and the wokeocracy uh, that I've just invented uh, as a word to describe all of these uh, wokists in various different parts of Britain. Um, uh, they fed up, simply fed up uh, with the Today programme, simply fed up with Radio 4 in particular uh, and all of the stuff that they spout on about and they'd rather have the real truth uh, and nothing but the truth here at Talk TV, of course. And who better uh, to ask about that and to ask about the wokeocracy than Rod Little, columnist at the, Sun, the Sunday Times, who's every Thursday now joining us uh, for his take uh, on the way things are. Rod, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome back. Good afternoon to you, Mike. Nice to hear you. Nice yes. to hear your voice. And good news about the BBC as well. Isn't it just? Yeah, I mean, it might take a while, but we'll get them in the end. Um, yeah. Wokeocracy is a word I invented just this morning, uh, which yeah. I think is quite good. I'm not sure whether it has a, a silent E or we take the E out, but wokeocracy sort of seems to me to describe the state of this country um, that we, if we're not careful, it will become. I think we're fighting back and we're valiantly fighting back. Um, yeah. But there's an awful lot of wokery to fight, isn't there? Yeah, you don't need the E. You're, you're quite right. Uh, I called it a tossocracy. Uh, but, but, that's, but I've worked for the BBC, Mike, you know. <laughs> and you live to tell the tale. <laughs> live to tell the tale. Yeah, I mean, do you know, I heard a, I had a drama on Radio 4 the other, the other week, uh, about a week ago, and it was really interesting. Mm. And I've, But that's it. Uh, every time I turn on Radio 4... It is a woman whining about something, yeah. uh, or or they're getting down with the boys in the hood, because that, of course, is Radio 4's staple audience. Yes, a nineteen-year-old uh, uh, African Caribbean kid in Halston. That's that's who Radio Four really yes. wants to attract. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's this sort of Archbishop Wellbeization of the world, isn't it? Yes, it is. But but it, 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 people have a go at the news, and rightly sometimes, and I think the World at One is a particular uh, offender, mm. uh, more more so than the Today programme, which at least has uh, uh, Justin Webb on it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but it's the other programmes. It's every other programme is infested with this uh, kind of moronic ideology where the only things that matter are race and gender. Yeah. And it, and, and and what a despicable history Britain has. Yeah. And it must turn people off in their droves. I suspect they'd even prefer to watch you, Mike. Well, they uh, do, and that's why we're doing do. so well. I mean, that's the good news. I mean, so there's every cloud has a silver right. lining. I mean, I was unfortunate yeah. enough to tune into um, the PM show one day um, as I was in the car, so I thought I'll just see what they're up to. And they were on location uh, somewhere in Derby uh, at some kind of organic cheese farm. And you just <laughs> thought, Really? You know, there's people, you know, who are struggling to pay their bills. There's people who, you know, can't even afford cheese, as Anne Whittacombe has uh, discovered this week. And uh, and here we are talking about the brilliance of an organic cheese farm that basically only sells to Fortnum and Masons and Harrods. Yes, quite. Well, yeah, I don't know if you remember during the Brexit debate, in the lead up to Brexit, PM, PM had this feature which they came back to once every week or so called Brexit Street. <laughs> and what they did was, was find a street which had a lot of these absolutely ghastly people yeah. 
Racists. European Union. These racists. We're going back to Brexit Street for a few moments now. Now tell me, tell me, Joe, why why do you loathe foreigners? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the trouble is, the sort of so-called cognoscenti believe all of that rubbish as well. You know, I went off to Normandy for a holiday and uh, was uh, sending various tweets out on social media and people were going, oh, look, a Brexiteer who likes going to Europe. You know, what an idiot. Yeah. You know, I'm sort of going, you know, it is actually possible to not be particularly in favour of a ludicrous, you know, unelected group of people who try to organise every aspect of your life and actually going to a country where the food's rather nice and it's got quite a decent history. Yeah, well, I always used to like explaining to Londoners why I uh, didn't approve of uh, the European Union. And I said, your entire city is built upon the exploitation of low-paid immigrant labour. Yes. It's, and it still is, by the way. It's it getting worse. Is. And your, your basement kitchen was dug out by by Polish labourers who were paid about a fifth of what they could yeah. pay. Yeah. You know? And they don't like that, because <laughs> that's the left-wing argument for opposing the European Union. Yeah. And one Sign up to, exactly. Know. And of course, Sir Keir Starmer is now making quite a lot of noise about um, being more involved with the European Union. I'm not sure I trust his version of events in which he says there is no case to rejoin because he'll find a case to rejoin, won't he? He may do. He may do. I'm, I'm, I mean, we have to watch this slippery little monkey very carefully. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we really do. Uh, I think he's charismatic. I think he's done a good job since taking over the Conservative Party. Uh, I think it's good to see a, uh, an Indian guy leading leading the uh, Conservative Party. Yeah. You know, it does say something about our country. It is an immediate riposte uh, to, to all those ac- black academics at yeah. Birmingham University who say that we're the most racist country on earth. Well, you of know, course, when- it really infuriates the leftists because they can't stand anybody who isn't white actually no, having conservative yeah. values. Well, no, they, they refuse to accept that they're actually black or of colour. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, Rich, Rich has done, I think, done very, very well. Mm. Uh, I still think his party is a party in search of a meaning. I don't think anybody knows really what the Conservative Party stands for no. at the moment. Well, the biggest Which problem for, for, for Rishi Sunak and, and the Brexit conversation is that many of the people opposing Brexit are still in the Tory party. Well, indeed. I mean, and, and that's the problem with, with, with the House of Commons. You know, when, when we look at the House of Commons, uh, I think it was something like 80% of members of the House of Commons were in favour of uh, remaining in the EU. So it wasn't remotely representative, just as it's not representative on, on stuff like uh, uh, sex education in schools, on immigration and, and all those issues. Um, which you know we and the SDP continue to fight about, uh, but but there's no there's no accurate representation in the House of Commons or indeed in the mainstream media. No, there really isn't. But let's talk about uh, your column today because you led it with um, James Bond and the possible ah, rewriting yes. uh, of uh, Wussy Galore, which I rather liked as a headline. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I was struck by. Uh, Hearing Salman Rushdie talking about yeah. the rewriting of books, and and quite rightly, uh, some new James Bond books are coming out, and they've been altered, and they've been altered to make them less interesting. That yes, is, is what I think is the is the uh, intention behind this. In other words, all the naughtiness has been cut out. You know, uh, if if there was a woman who took her clothes off. Um, she immediately got the chop right. from it. The stripteases were, were were removed. You know, so so it's not kind of James Bond. 
it's it's James Bond if it had been written by Richard Osman. Yes. Yeah, or if it had been re... And what do they call it? Um, sensitivity readers get their hands on these things. Well, no, it's, it's all done through sensitivity, sensitivity readers. And these are the people who are blocking uh, lots of books from being published at all. You know, uh, lots of authors being published at all uh, because uh, they may give offence to people. <coughs> and Rushdie was right. He said, you know, this is, this is an assault on freedom of speech. And if anyone knows about freedom of speech, it is, of course, Salman Rushdie. He yes. was... He was stabbed last August, you know, uh, uh, by a deranged jihadi nut job. Yeah. But um, also before that, lived under sort of the threat of death. And as you, as you said, if you don't like if you don't like a book, just don't read it. If you don't like a book, don't read it. No, exactly. Thirty-four years he's had, and it, it always struck me. And it struck me when I heard on I think it was the BBC, which serialised did a serial serialisation of Watership Down, in which suddenly the doe, the rabbit does were feminist campaigners. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and Strawberry, the rabbit Strawberry, who I liked very much in the original novel, which when I read it when I was 13, 14, uh, suddenly become transgendered. <laughs> <laughs> and I, no, if you want to write a book about uh, feminist rabbits, write it. Yeah. Perhaps someone will watch it or read it. Yeah. Don't take a classic which and and mould it into your image. It's cheating, you know? But also, uh, I'm not keen on even those originals, um, not from the rewriting of what old books, but I saw one the other day uh, which was being sort of um, punted about on social media and it was apparently a book designed for three- and four-year-olds in which the title was I Love My Dad, He Used to Be My Mum. Yes, well, I, I don't see this book burning, but I can make the occasional exception, you know. I mean, uh, but but at least with that, at least with that drivel, that poisonous drivel, um, you can choose not to buy it. If the BBC says it's putting on James Bond or putting on Watership Down, mm. and what you actually watch is a travesty of what yeah. was James Bond or Watership Down, that is that is a that is a cheat. And it's a rewriting of history, and it's wrong. You know, we shouldn't do that. No. Uh, we should allow these things to have the integrity uh, with which they were made. And if the past offends some people, and I know it does, uh, these are people who have no sense of history yeah. and are eternally by the tyranny of now, um, then we should tell them to get stuffed and leave leave those works for people who who can appreciate that the past was a different place. Yes, because you can appreciate that the past was a different place. You don't have to be in favour of it. I mean, it was like the question of Johnny Depp I was asked the other day. Um, you know, you got a standing ovation in, in Cannes. I wouldn't give him a standing ovation, but I equally wouldn't ban him from ever working ever again, which is what the people who don't seem to like him want to do. It's like, well, if you don't like Johnny Depp, don't watch his films. But I equally, yeah, well, equally, I would not, you know, um, castigate him or throw sort of, you know, spears at him for the, on the grounds of him being a ghastly misogynist, which is what he's accused of being. Yeah, I know. I mean, an even worse case. I mean, we are still waiting for Kevin Spacey to be convicted of anything. Yes. Any, and he's. It's not merely that he's not getting any more parts. It's it's that they actually snip his previous performances out of right. film. Yes. You know, I, it's a it's 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 a madness. It's a it's a terror. Uh, uh, people are terrified mm. of, of 
offence, and that we we should give offence. We should give offence more often, more frequently, and with more bile. I yeah. think. Well, that's my that's my plan. Uh, as yeah. it sometimes works and sometimes doesn't work, but we, we, we shall see. Uh, stay with us, Rod, if you win. We want to get your verdict yeah, sure. on Eurovision. Also, I'm sure you'd probably have a pretty good idea of how to solve our obesity crisis as well. We might even give you a bit of a self-driving car to be getting on with. Rod Little, columnist at The Sun and The Sunday Times, back after this. On your mobile, on your wavelength, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. We're going to show you a little bit of a video shortly about uh, self-driving cars. Ben Clapworthy had a go uh, for the Times, but we're talking to Rod Little. Uh, Rod, um, I want to hear your verdict on Eurovision. I managed to avoid watching it this year, except for a couple of very minor kind of channel surfing moments uh, on Saturday night. But it looks even more hideous than normal. And the British entry was particularly awful. Yeah, the British entry was dreadful. I I wrote in the Spectator that I think I was probably the only straight male who's watched the whole thing. From start <laughs> Why? In the country. <laughs> Why? Uh, because it's become a tradition in our family. I'm, I live in a family of women, and uh, and women love it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and and so I watched it all, and I, it, I didn't think it was as bad as some other years. Not because of the music. The music was uh, was characteristically appalling yeah. from start to finish, with virtually no. Uh, decent tunes at all, apart from Azerbaijan, which went out in the semi-finals. Yes, I even watched bits of the semi-final. Okay. Um, Azerbaijan had a really, really lovely song. It, it was sung by a couple of village idiots uh, I, <laughs> who clearly just come down a Caucasian mountain, you right. know. Uh, but they, but it was a beautiful song, uh, and they were unjustly kicked out. But people don't want lovely songs; they want, you know. Yeah. Well, the, great, the greatest thing for me about the British entry was that the wokists had managed to pick somebody who basically hated Britain to represent Britain uh, in the Eurovision. They also picked someone who didn't have a very good voice and can't write songs. Right. Uh, most of the song seemed to have been lifted from uh, George Michael's sax, the sax break in George Michael's Careless Whisper. Yeah. That was the main body of the melody. And it was more kind of... Uh, snidey uh, girl moaning stuff, which, which you know, has passed its sell-by date. But, you know, we come second bottom. The Germans are thinking of pulling out, uh, and they're, they're in all, all kinds of angst about it because they think that the whole of Europe hates them for being arrogant and powerful. And it's true, we do hate them for being arrogant and powerful, but that's not why their song came bottom. Their song came bottom because they chose to represent their country an overgrown toddler dressed as an orc belting out some tuneless heavy metal drivel. Right. Uh, nobody liked it. Um, so so no complaints. Uh, astonishingly, it was worse than ours. It was worse than ours. Yes, it actually was. So was Spain's, actually, but right. uh, that's, another, that's another issue. Now, I know what I thought was quite good was that it, it was rather less woke this year than it has been. Mm. Uh, yeah, we, we all waved our Ukrainian flags and everything, but when some of the presenters tried to get a bit preaching and everything, the audience just got bored. Yes. Uh, the audience was a very good Liverpool audience, which just wanted to have a good time, I think. I think it's interesting as well that the one thing the BBC did that surprised me this week was actually saying, no, Volodymyr Zelensky can't speak at Eurovision because we don't want to make it political. And I kind of went, sorry? But you've moved, yeah, it, you've moved it from Ukraine to Liverpool because that was political, but you won't let the president of Ukraine speak. Okay. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought he shouldn't have been allowed to speak because I'm getting a bit tired of the, of this rather fascist way in which uh, big, big international events 
uh, have to sign up to a certain political opinion. Yeah. Uh, whether it's, you know, we all agree that uh, that Qataris are absolutely ghastly people who treat women badly. Right. And we're not allowed to watch the World Cup unless we say that every 15 minutes. Right. I find that a bit oppressive. But the Saudis are okay, though. That's fine. We can buy <laughs> stuff from them. Yeah, the Saudis are just great. <laughs> the Saudis are fine. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so that really sort of irks me a bit, and so I was quite pleased that you know you you shouldn't co-opt politics into these events, and I know they have been, Mike, and you're absolutely right. But the less it happens, the better, in yeah. my opinion. Oh, I think so. Let's talk about uh, fat people. Obesity apparently costs uh, the NHS billions and billions of pounds. Yeah. Um, I've always been a, a supporter of, and I'm aware of the irony of me talking about this subject, but I've always been a supporter of the um, of the comedian who said, I've got the answer. Just make the aisles in the supermarkets where they sell the cakes and the chocolate really, really narrow so <laughs> fat people can't get down them. <laughs> yeah, it's back good. It's sixty-five percent of uh, of uh, adult Brits, isn't it? Who are, yes, who are obese, uh, and it, it, it's a problem. I mean, you know, I, I have a battle with my weight. I, I try and do eighteen thousand paces every day, mm. which is an awful lot. That is a uh, lot. Yeah, it, yeah. It involves at least a, a six-mile walk. Yeah, um, because I have a sedentary job um, and I work from home. I think that's one of the problems which does affect a lot of people, that, yes. you know, uh, that their jobs don't involve manual labour. Yeah, I mean, if also, if you're not even walking to the station to get a train to work, yeah. you know, you're not exactly. really doing anything. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. And, you know, I, I don't drink very much, um, and I eat very healthily. It's always home-prepared food mm. every day. Um, but I, I, I still think that most of the answer to the obesity stuff isn't isn't telling people that they're not allowed to buy... Uh, brown foods and everything. It's 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 telling people to get a bit more exercise. Yes. That being said, there is no question. And you know, this doesn't mean that I disagree with women in the workplace. It doesn't mean that. So if you're listening and you're thinking that I'm saying the women shouldn't go out to work, I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying that an unforeseen consequence of the move of women into the workplace from the mid-70s onwards, uh, when it was a dramatic move into the workplace after the Equal Pay Act, uh, which was right, of course, uh, has been that families tend not to eat together and they tend not to cook. You know, they, they tend not to prepare meals, um, which is why there's been such a rise in fast food, because everyone's very time poor. Um, and that's been one of the unforeseen consequences, which we haven't really done anything, been able to do anything about. No, I think that is that is the problem. No, I'm with you. I don't. I think it's difficult. I don't think this, the, the the government should be interfering necessarily. But there is an awful lot of food, even I would say, uh, which wasn't around. I mean, in the seventies, everyone was thin because there wasn't really very much to eat. You know, oh, no, I don't, you know, I don't know about that, Mike. Um, I remember the seventies, and it was possibly the worst decade in British history. It was. Uh, you, you know, uh, Finder's crispy pancakes, uh, toast toppers, which are still one of my favourite treats, and you can't get them anymore because they discontinued them. And we ate all that stuff, but we remained thin because we were out and about all the time. Yeah, yeah. You well, know, yeah I suppose so. But every, also, there weren't, but there weren't fifty-five different varieties of aero, for example, or you know, no, whenever no, you no, sure, whenever you sure, went into sure. a petrol station, they didn't sell loads of chocolate. Well, no, but, but it's also a problem of affluence as well, isn't it? You know, I was allowed, I think, probably one Mars bar a week, you know, or, right. or in an Aztec bar. Right. Uh, 
which was which was my favourite. Whereas these days, everyone wants everything now. Yeah. Well, when I was at university, a Mars bar sometimes was dinner. Yeah, well, no, indeed, indeed. But back in those days, you know, there, there were maybe 36 kids in, in each class I was in going through secondary school, mm. comprehensive school. And... Uh, one of them would be fat, and he'd be mercilessly, mercil- mercilessly bullied. Right. Uh, but it was one in every class. These days, it's, you know, half the class, mm. three-fourths of the class. Yeah, uh, it's true. I'm going to finish up with a little clip for you. Ben Clapworthy. Uh, sorry, it's not Ben Clapworthy's clip, I'm now being told. Um, so we've got a clip of um, a driverless car. I just want you to have a look at this. What's the point? <laughs> well, I don't know. This is a driverless car. It's going to run over somebody. Let's have a look. There you go. Oops. There you go. You're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Her head's come off. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think anyone's surprised by that. Here's another. What's what's this one going to do? Um, Ben Clapworthy was here earlier because he was in a full... Oh, that was a toddler. Yeah, that was a toddler. toddler. Yeah. Two for two so far. Um, Are they actually killing... Are these real people they're killing? No, they're Um, killing mannequins. Um, Oh, that's a shame. I mean, it is in California, though, so, I mean, it's the same thing, really. Um, Now, here's one stopping. What happens now? Oh, somebody crashed into the back of it. Yeah, I'm with you. What is the point of driverless cars? But but there's a Ford Mustang that that Ben Clapworthy was driving, and apparently they're going to be... They could be approved soon for use on motorways only. Yeah, I don't don't see it until we have a level of artificial intelligence, Mm. which is immeasurably better i remember reading chocky by john Wyndham when i was very young oh, yes uh and uh the, the alien who communicated with with uh with the boy in the story yeah. uh chocky uh, uh used to say why do you make cars that can bump into other cars mm. why don't you make them so they can't right i think we will get to that stage you know i'm a great optimist about these things but i don't see the driverless cars are uh, I, I mean, but I see. I said to Ben, I quite like driving. If I'm going to get in a car, I'd rather be driving it. I don't like being yeah. driven, particularly uh, by yeah, by, yeah, by yeah. a taxi driver or by a bus driver. I'd rather be driving the, the actual car. So I don't want to be driven by an entity that I can't even see. No, I think that's right. I, I think, I think, yeah, we're, we're also there's also a problem with electric cars, of mm. course. Well, <laughs> I mean, massive. That, that's a whole other issue. Um, I, I think we we get ahead of ourselves a little bit, and uh, uh, we have done with electric cars, yes. and perhaps we've done with driverless cars as well. Well, I'm slightly suspicious of all these boffins who say this will improve your life, and you go, really, will it? Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, indeed. Yeah, indeed. and I mean, as people who've bought Teslas have discovered to their cost, if you can't get into it and you've been locked out by the machine, you know, yeah. it can be rather frustrating. He hasn't got a key. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Do you remember keys? They were useful. Yeah, weren't... they were quite yeah. useful. I still have it's one for the house. I still have one for the house. Ho- well, it's when you're in a hotel and you. You just just put the card up against the the little yeah. light, and then you have to go all the way back down to reception. And say it yeah. doesn't work yeah. again, and you have to do that because there's no longer a phone in the corridor because they've done away with all of them. So you can't ring yeah, down true. to yeah. say, "Can yeah, you come yeah. up and let me in?" You have to go all the way back down. Anyway, listen, Rod, delightful to see you. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Rod. Little columnist at the Sun, the Sunday Times, um, enemy of the woke, uh, as you would expect. Uh, we're coming up with uh, very shortly though uh, the world of woke. And you'll be finding out what that is today right here on Talk TV. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.